With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. of their own it feels like it's been a really long time since the three of us have been together <laughs> even though crossover week shook things up yeah. yeah yeah so we had crossover week which was super super fun I really enjoyed doing from complex to queens Maggie did a fantastic job running the show last week uh, thank with you Steve, uh, with not Steve with Ken and Lucas um, I was with Steve and then Linda did an awesome job with Chris on the show it was yes, thank you really fun um, but, and then we, we had our like all-star break episode, but then we had a break the week before that. So it kind of feels like it's been sparse that we've been together, but we have returned. So we, and we are returning for the immediate future. I don't foresee any weeks off, at least for me for a little while. Um, so this is episode 15, no 16. It's 16. <laughs> I knew I would Ooh, do a that. Perfect square. Yeah, I knew I would do that. I knew I would screw up the episode number sometime or another. And this is episode 16. How I very am... dare you, Allison? How very dare you? I'm very sorry, everyone. Um, I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined um, once again by my lovely co-host, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So about the mess. <laughs> <laughs> Since the break, I mean, like, things have not been great, but they haven't been awful, but the results have not been great. 
is basically what's been happening. Um, the pitching has finally figured its shit out temporarily. Like, the bullpen's actually been pretty good, but they just stopped scoring. So Yeah. It's like they can't get all their ducks in a row. And speaking of things that are bad, Jeff McNeil was hit on the elbow with a pitch. Oh, good. Not what you want. Not what you want. Yeah. Coming out of the he's game. Be- he's being attended to. Uh, he's shaking it. But I think that, yeah, oh, yeah, he's staying in. Okay, good. All right. Good, all right. good, good. Oh, cool. um, I'll take that. The Mets yeah. are, as, as we record, currently by a thin margin, by a one Robinson Cano home run margin. Um, which was a blast which was a bomb by the way um are currently getting the better of chris paddock by a little bit but we'll see um if that continues um unfortunately speaking of chris paddock um pete alonzo has been slumping since the break you guys it's not great i'm not happy about it no it it upsets me greatly and (laughs) that he's so upset too i mean the the breaking of the bat was kind of amazing yeah, he but snapped that thing like a toothpick. Like it was nothing. He is a strong, strong gentleman. A large oh yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not hitting, but he's still hitting massive dingers. Yeah, it's like yeah, he basically is like right now at the moment. It's it, we, I think he's shown us enough to prove that this isn't the type of hitter that he is, period. But right now yeah. he's basically striking out or hitting dingers and that's like it. And he's not and like, if that's hitting a what ton his, of dingers. If that's what his slumps look like, that's fine. Then I'll sure. take that for I'll a slump. I'll take it. Yeah, because that should be our biggest problem. Because <laughs> I think he like, it's an impressive. Oh, 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 wait. Oh, I, uh, I thought Scoot got into one, but uh, damn. Um, it's good. But it's impressive that when Pete bats like 170 or whatever he's hitting since the break, he still has like a 70 weighted or something like that, which is like, you know, most of the time when you're hitting 170, that's like a 40 weighted or something like that. But And it, like he pinch hit, hits a digger and leaves like, okay, that's yep. his day off. <laughs> yep. But yeah, like Maggie said, if these are his slumps, then I'm okay with it. I just hope that it doesn't last much longer. And it should. Yeah. Especially if he's getting frustrated, too. Like, usually you don't see that from him. Like, that kind of amount of emotion. Like, good emotion he's all about, obviously. But this is the first time I've really seen him get that upset. So It's a long season. It's a long season, and all of his coworkers just got a four-day vacation, and he, for good reason, didn't. Like, that's... I I, I feel like the, the day off was a good thing. Um, especially with the off day right after. And I would maybe even throw him another one soonish. You know, Dom yeah. Smith is doing fine. Um, just, you know, just to kind of give him a little time to to relax and, you know, just just move past whatever is kind of gumming up the works. Um, like he also, even... there's no home run derby curse. Just putting that out there. No. Yeah, and that's even said that he needed a it was like a mental health day which we all need and like Pete Alonzo like if there's like homer and derby curses aren't real period first of all no second of all if there's like one person that that's really not real for it's Pete Alonzo because he didn't change his swing at all to hit in the homer and derby that's just how he hits it's not like the same thing as David Wright who like tried to play up his power a little more in the home run derby than he would normally it's not the approach he would normally take at the plate this is just how Pete Alonso hits. <laughs> yeah. So I don't and think he had to. 
Yeah, and I don't think it's any this different. Picture. Yeah, his right. cousin was throwing him all those nasty sliders. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the thing that I'm much more concerned about than Pete Alonso slumping a little bit is uh, Zach Wheeler <laughs> and yeah. the fact that the Mets have decided that he's uh, that he's coming off the injured list uh, after missing like basically the bare minimum. That's not great, um, and the fact that they like like worked him like a freaking like racehorse <laughs> and over a hundred pitches average per start and shockingly he ends up with shoulder fatigue and now the Mets are like you know well shit we've got to showcase him before the deadline you can't possibly go on the injured list <laughs> so they just I suppose put him on the, the injured silver list lining I suppose the silver lining is that they could have rushed him back for a bullshit subway series. That's yeah, but true. there's no more subway series to play. So instead, yeah. they're just like vaguely rushing him back. <laughs> I mean, no they, they rush back their players for the dumbest reasons. I suppose rushing him back to get him off the team sooner is um, the least dumb of some of the reasons. Well, and he also said he felt it in his two starts beforehand. Right. Right. So why couldn't they just do it then? Right. And he, yeah, he had been feeling it for a while. And he wouldn't have gotten lit up. Yeah. But, you know, rub some dirt in it, kid, is the slogan of the New York Mets. So. Well, plus they still needed him to pitch so they could trade him. But now look what you got. And I don't, I don't know. Like, people who are, like, better at this stuff than me and more baseball insider-y than me, I suppose, can have a different opinion but my opinion is that I don't think like one or two starts before the deadline makes that much of a difference no in his trade value I I don't think his trade value is 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 all that high and it's certainly not as high as Mets fans I think would like it to be yeah and certainly like if there's at all the chance that they're rushing him back and let's take a look at the history for a second but like if there's at all the chance that he's being rushed back doesn't that actually hurt his trade value you would think i would not be happy about it no like and also like they're gonna ask for medicals oh so i don't know it just seems like you're just shooting yourself in the foot and he was always confident that he was coming it was in a big deal but pitchers will always say that so i don't know and I think that um, I think it was Dave that said this in the Amazing Avenue Slack, and he's absolutely right. He said something to, akin to the Mets think that other teams think like the Mets, so the mm-hmm. Mets don't pay attention to you know usage and things like that <laughs> when evaluating the trade value of a player. So they think that other teams are similarly like oblivious and not paying attention to these things, but they are. Like smart teams are paying attention to the fact that even prior to the injury list stint, he was used very heavily. Um, and they're gonna they know that it's a long season. He has a robust injury history. All of these things were already affecting his trade value before the actual shoulder fatigue bomb dropped. So, you know, just I'm just preemptively saying that if we do trade Zach Wheeler, Mets Twitter is gonna lose its shit because we're not gonna get the return that I think that prospect Mets Twitter like thinks that we should get first well, and now, I'm kind of wondering like does the simple fact for playing for the Mets 
is that a check mark against him? Like, because they do have such a long history of bungling injuries, like, you I mean, know, like, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wonder if that factors into to their decision making when dealing with with the Mets and who you because then we always say you know oh how come the Yankees always get such good returns and we don't well the Yankees handle their better their players a lot better than we do yeah yeah it can be kind of an inverse like Cardinals situation where if the Cardinals want to trade you a guy you should be skeptical because they know their players really well yeah. If the Mets want to trade you a guy, you should be skeptical because they know their players very badly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which I think, I mean, Jarrett has brought this point up um, for all you kids out there a lot. Um, and he said, you know, if if teams like the Astros and the Rays and the Dodgers are the ones that are interested in your players, then you should maybe think twice about why that is. Why mm-hmm. it's Seth Lugo drawing interest from these teams. I'm, I'm not talking about this year now. I'm hearkening back to previous rumors from previous years. Um, you know, why did the Rays pick up Travis Darno? Why is he suddenly performing well? You know, like, it's, it's not a coincidence. This isn't like, this isn't a curse. This isn't the Mets being, oh, LOL Mets, they're cursed. It's that the Mets are bad at doing these things and other teams are better at it. <laughs> it's like, it's really as simple as that, honestly. I mean, I'm, yeah. not just, I'm not saying that's all it is and that there isn't some, like, stochastic effects happening and there isn't some, like, you know, out-of-their-control stuff happening. But I'm saying that this is not a fluke and this is not luck. This is not that the Mets are cursed. A lot of it no. is that they're just bad at evaluating their players. They curse themselves. Exactly. Sure like, do. this spans how many general managers, how many managers, how many of trainers it's the same problem and of course like i mean they do they do get hit with a lot of bad luck but they also don't use their resources to build resilience to bad luck so you know obviously it it would probably not have been a smart bet to think that both edwin diaz and jerry's familia are going to be absolute garbage this season like that is some bad luck but having no one else except for Seth Lugo, God bless him, in that bullpen who's capable of getting it out, that is bad planning. Although, to be fair, Justin Wilson has looked good. He's pitched very yes. well since returning yes, from the I injuries. Yes, d- I think, yeah. Um, I asterisk think when healthy. Good. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't think, you know, re- with regard to thinking forward to next year's bullpen, obviously, like, Diaz is locked in and Lugo's locked in um, and I and uh, Justin Wilson's under contract but and I don't necessarily think that we should count on him as a given given his injury history this year but I do think that like we should from a performance perspective I think that we can be optimistic about his contribution to next year's bullpen hopefully. Yeah, I've really liked what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, Me too. I, I like. I honestly like. I think it was a good process signing, and I said that at the time. Um, you know, like it maybe it like I hope that he stays healthy the rest of the year, and we can point to that as one of Brody Van Wagenen's like few success stories, because um, his other moves have not looked very good so far um so i think it's basically just been jd davis that's been his best move and i was actually one of the moves i was critical of so what the hell do i know um 
but yeah, so hopefully Justin Wilson can move himself into the, you know, like good move by Brody category. Um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of, <laughs> of Mets being cursed, and I put that in air quotes, but really it's just bad process. I wanted to just do a quick shout out on the pod to pour one out for Matt Harvey. I'm just ridiculously Aww, sad. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, I'm so sad That's about tough. his career arc is heartbreaking. Like, oh God. So and I, it's it's sad because I've seen so many Mets fans like kind of retroactively overwrite the time that he spent with the Mets as him being like overrated or a flash in the pan. And I just want to like shake him and be like, do you not remember what it felt like when he would get up on that mound in 2013 and just like tear the White Sox a new one or mow down the Rockies. Like, yeah, he he yeah. was absolute domination. He had that just as you know, and don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want to <laughs> hang out with the dude that is not like a likable fella. Um, but he had that that fire, that excitement. Like he was always he was always great to watch. And he also probably killed his career for the Mets postseason. Yeah. So literally. like, I, I don't know, it just it it's all a huge bummer. And the fact that he seemed like his, his greatness has already been forgotten is an even bigger bummer. Yeah. That's kind of sad. I'm going to do my best to, to not forget it, you know? And also, I don't think people remember where the Mets were at the time too, when he came up, like he made them relevant. He made them musty TV when he pitched and it had been a long time since they had somebody like that. Like Johan was good, but he wasn't electric. Like Matt Harvey was in 2013. And he was the one prospect who actually lived up to the hype. Like he didn't like, we're always so like, Oh, you know, bust. But he didn't. He owned it. He lived up to it. And it was it was exciting. And it all like I'm trying not to forget that. Yeah. I'm fairly sure he still has the greatest post Tommy John season ever. I had looked this up. I, I looked up some other possibilities a year or so ago. And like his statistically had the best season coming back from Tommy John of anybody. And wow. I don't think there's been anyone since then who has who has topped it. What he did in 2015 was was baller. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, he basically killed his career for the Mets. And it's not surprising that the greatest post Tommy John season like resulted in where he is now, essentially. It's not surprising yeah. that that domino effect ensued, you know, because um, he probably pitched the most innings of any post Tommy John pitcher ever, maybe. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just, and he, like, like Linda was saying, like it's about where the Mets were and he was like the one thing to cheer for. Not only that, but he was the beginning of, of all the good things that came after. Like mm-hmm. it, was, it was just prospect after prospect, like after Harvey, it was like DeGrom and Wheeler and Syndergaard, like all came up in really short succession. And then Matt's after that. And then like we had our really epic rotation. And it was just, I mean, obviously Wheeler had the injury bumps along the way, but like he was the first of that whole group to come up. And then like we, you could start to see the beginnings of a team that could contend. 
And it, well, yeah, that was they, a really wild run, too. It was like yeah. 12 was Harvey, 13 was Wheeler, 14 was DeGrom, 15 was Syndergaard, and Matt's. And Matt's, yeah. I mean, that's wild. Yeah. And then I think even David Wright said when he resigned in 2012, what sold him was all the guys in the minors. And one of them was Matt Harvey. He said, I could see the plan they were putting together. And he was excited, and it actually did. It was the one time I remember it messaged me a plan actually coming together. There was a plan. There was a plan, and it worked. (laughs) Imagine that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Um, and and just, you know, having that hope that you would have the super rotation, and it it was amazing. And for at least for... A half a year, we got it. Yeah, yeah. So good luck, Matt. I hope, I hope someone picks him up as of like a flyer because he's free now, basically. So that would be cool if he got one more shot somewhere. But I think that, like, I mean, the chances of him getting like any sort of substantial contract are over now, like ever again, which is sad. But um, you know, I hope that he either you know is able to find like something left. Or if he can't, that he can find peace with what he has accomplished. Because he's still, even given his what the way his career ended, even if it didn't end on his terms, he still accomplished something that not too many people have accomplished in their lives. And that's something to be proud of. So Yeah. Yeah. All the best. Yeah. Um, Good luck, Matt Harvey. Yeah. Yeah. So before we end our, you know, Mets half of the show, um, I think we'll just wrap things up on um, talking about the trading deadline a little bit. We kind of alluded to it by talking about Wheeler, um, but this is the last episode that we'll do. Although I guess we're going to do one the day before, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But um, so this is one of the last episodes we'll do before the trading deadline. Maybe we'll reevaluate in the waning hours of the trading deadline. But since it's a hard deadline now, like all the action is theoretically going to happen now. Um, So besides Zach Wheeler potentially getting traded, um, what other things do you think what things would you like to see and what things do you think the Mets will actually do? Because those are obviously two different things. I am terrified. Terrified. Like, stay up at night, stomach churning, terror that they were going to trade Noah Syndergaard. Just to, like, undo kind of like the Cano and Diaz trade. Like, oh, we depleted our farm. Now we have to boost it back up. So this is what we did. And then they're going to have literally no rotation next year just because they feel like it. Because they're not spending. They're not getting Garrett Cole. Nope. So <laughs> that's my biggest fear right now. Yeah. I have a post kind of about this in coming out, I think tomorrow, maybe Thursday. Um, that basically, like, this, the deadline's going to come down to whether they are going to intend to compete in 2020. And I, for reasons that are maybe not the right reasons, they seem to be inclined to do so, even if they're not going to really actually compete. Um, but I will say, like, if they trade Noah Syndergaard, then they've got to trade Michael Conforto too. Like, yeah. like if you're going all, if you're if you're oh, gutting oh, the team. Wait, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Oh, oh, oh. No. Yeah, Robbie Cano. Two home runs. 
the group die. Yay! Go Robinson Cano. I don't want to hear the best, the best thing for the Mets right now. I don't want to hear The best thing for the Mets right now is for Cano to get his shit together. Like that is absolutely one of the most important things for them. But my point, if like, if you're sending out Syndergaard, then you know, you're going to be putting out a lousy rotation for the entirety of 2020. Like don't let Conforto rot uselessly on a team, like, like sell him now and get a, and get a hearty package. Like that's, that sounded really, um, (laughs) that phrasing is not great, but yes. That's that's my feeling. Yeah, we can have a. This will be a perhaps a a part of their own conversation for another day. But the language surrounding treating players like commodities, but that's a, that's a whole different pod, you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Hardy package was not actually. Well, yeah, um, that yeah that wasn't phrasing. I love how that's yeah. not even the phrasing I was thinking of. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the phrasing of selling humans is what I was thinking. About. Boy, howdy. Um, yes, indeed. But yeah, also Hardy package. Uh, we, we're all about Hardy packages and group dongs. Group dongs. Get you a podcast <laughs> that can do both. <laughs> Yo. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, they maybe they'll yes, trade they Todd F- Frazier for something unspectacular. Like, sure. I mean, they that. should. I think they yeah. will. Yeah. I mean, just dumping money at this point is not bad because we know how much they value money well and then Frazier like clears up a spot for JD Davis to start on the reg and you can figure out what you've got in him or like Jeff McNeil in like an actual infield position yeah but that's the problem is you still have Lowry for next year so McNeil's got to go back to the outfield anyway flappy boy yeah, our poor Flappy Boy. Yeah, uh, he doesn't exist. I keep forgetting he's on the team because he yeah. hasn't played at all. So that's why I feel like you need to trade poor Dom. I love Dom. But know, he's just, they should. you have an old, the, the outfield's too crowded. And he doesn't really have a, a position because Nimmo's coming back. If Flappy Boy comes back, <laughs> then you have an all left-handed outfield. Then maybe you could put J.D. Davis in, you know, as a platoon and where does that leave Dom next year listeners we call Jed Lowry flappy boy because he wears the double flapped helmet for those of you that did not pick up on <laughs> and who would because we're that's probably helpful um, yeah anyway so yeah I I think they should trade Dominic Smith as well his trade value is never going to be higher than it is right exactly now, so um, but he's also so cheap and if yeah. he is yeah. if he is your backup at first base and in the outfield i don't hate that like no no i don't hate it either and i wouldn't hate if they got an actual center fielder either yeah they're gonna need one of those yeah (laughs) maybe if brandon i'm i am confident in brandon nimbo's ability to man center field every day if he's not like dead forever yeah that's well that's a big if though yeah i mean he's apparently playing like gonna play like he resumed baseball activities after his like go back like 30 days no more baseball activities so he's resumed baseball activities from yeah what i've seen i think he's hitting off a tee and like running i think okay so hopefully brandon oh. Nimmo. that'd be nice i'd like to see some brandon Nimmo smiles before the season ends that'd be yeah, nice. no i think that's what's made the season so hard is the joy factor got severely dimmed yeah, like, wouldn't yeah. it be so cool, like, with, with like, how happy, like, Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonso and, like, Dom Smith all are for each other? Like, wouldn't it be cool to have, like, Brandon Nimmo smile in that mix? I, I miss that a lot. 
I miss it too. Um, I miss his on base percentage. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, I'll take I'll take two Robinson Cano dongs all day, every day. So. Oh yeah, especially against Paddock. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh wait, this, I'm oh, starting to feel is, bad for Paddock, oh, man. man. Oh oh, he is big man. Oh. Good, good. <laughs> Get mad. <laughs> oh, I have Be to mad. to him when he got taken out. Chris oh, Paddock, yeah, die, I'm man. starting. I'm starting to feel bad about yeah, it. He started it. For you no know what? I no, he did. He, so he started he it for start sure. It. I I did not at all feel bad for him until he got sent down to the minors just for like some bullshit salary control stuff like that. That one. I'm, I was just thinking about the poor guy like riding around on a busted bus. Maggie, he was <laughs> working on things. It's very important player development. I mean, uh, hopefully he was working on his anger issues. But... Yeah, really. Now it doesn't look like he did. Neither. Doesn't look like it. Um, so I officially, like, I, I, he's not yet in the the Peter O'Brien Hall of Eternal Torment, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I have a feeling the media is going to continue to stretch this narrative, though. And Pete Alonso and Chris Paddock are both very talented young players, so this could go on a while. Yeah, Tatis too, and he handled it well. Yeah, Tatis gave a good answer before the game. He said he, he's he's probably won it now, but the season's not over, which is a good answer. Oh yeah, that's that's a great answer. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I I like Tatis Jr. He's like yeah. a really cool player. Um, okay. Um, when we get back, um, we will talk about um the Baseball Hall of Fame and what we think about this year's class and what we think about the, you know, Hall of Fame in general, who should be allowed in, who shouldn't be allowed in, etc. So stay tuned for that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we are back. Um, before we delve into the Hall of Fame, um, I just wanted to make a quick... Side note, because it is in keeping with the theme of this podcast that we want to broadcast these things and make sure people are aware of them. Um, So unfortunately, another person in the baseball community turns out that he is a shithead. (laughs) Absolute garbage human. So um, Jonah Carey was arrested um, for making death threats and assaulting his wife. Um, And he was a baseball... Well, he is a baseball writer, was... (laughs) <laughs> publications are you know cutting their ties with him but um a and, baseball a, and writer. a good one one who's been around for a while yeah and always had a really thoughtful and unique voice and fuck him forever yeah yeah, like, yeah. he was one of the ones who like beat the drum to get tim reigns into the hall of fame like he like 
he was like sobbing at the induction ceremony last year. And also worth noting that um, Jonah Carey has spoken out against uh, domestic and violence himself in the, the past, yeah. which just goes to show you that, never know. That, it's, that it really could be anybody. And I think yep. anyone who has had someone in their lives affected by domestic violence has that, has that experience of you wouldn't think it would be him. Like it's, it, you know, and I obviously, I don't know Jonah Carey. A lot of writers who I do know, know him. And most of them were really shocked and upset. And also some of them found themselves thinking back to times when he had behaved aggressively. And I think that's something also really interesting to think about. And just a good reminder to be really just thoughtful and aware of the people in your lives and what is appropriate behavior and what is, what isn't. And to hold people accountable, even if it doesn't seem like, you know, even if it's not in the threatening to kill your wife stage of things, but you know, when it doesn't, and when it's not that bad yet, that's when you should be talking about it before Mm -hmm. it does get that bad. Right. Exactly. And it's about, it's about, peers who the person respects calling them out because in in the instance of players we've talked about this before like nothing will change unless players speak out against other players and I think that the the baseball media at least well maybe this is self-selecting because I follow certain members of the baseball media and not others (laughs) but um I think the baseball media has done a really good job of you know being like well, fuck this guy now. Um, yeah, and- but the issue was apparently some women had spoke up, and, and no nothing one happened. To them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the the usually. I mean, I don't want to say it usually happens, but this is just you hear this way way too often. Yeah, it's a really it's it's like Groundhog Day, like the worst shitty Groundhog Day ever. Yeah. So this is just a stark reminder that it in the baseball community it isn't just players. It's, you know, it's people who cover baseball, too. Uh, It's everyone in society. Like, anyone can be a perpetrator of domestic violence. Um, It can be someone you think highly of. Um, And we should just be cognizant of these things. Um, So now we're going to talk about um, the Hall of Fame because that is a timely subject um, because the new inductees were inducted um, this past week. Um, And... That included uh, Mariano Rivera, who who some stuff has come out about <laughs> as well. Um, so that's an interesting thing to think about um, and how much, you know, people talk about don't let your sport or your politics leak into my sports, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, these are, you know, it's not just politics. It's fundamental values. And on one hand, I very much feel that way and feel that you can't necessarily separate these two things but on the other hand if you like Mariano Rivera's political views are not unique in baseball like if you think that these are like any more problematic than any other baseball player I've got a bridge to sell you so yeah like I wasn't exactly thrilled when I found out he's all hella MAGA but it also I mean you're best bet is just to assume every baseball player is 
is like radical right wing until proven otherwise. And that shouldn't cancel out like he really does a lot for the community too. So it's not like he's just a total like shithead. Like he he does do good things. So I yeah, I think I think Mariano's still still a good dude at heart. Yeah. Um and yeah, and I mean obviously like the greatest closer of all time. So yeah, his I, Hall of Fame credentials are not yeah. questionable. It's not like he was on the fence and then this is the thing that that breaks He's it. He's not Ty Cobb. Yeah. No, 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 no. Right. Far from it. Um, but uh, this year's class also um, included Halliday. Um, and mm. Brandy Halliday um, gave a really, really heart-wrenching <laughs> speech in his honor um, basically saying it's not my speech to give, but I'm going to try. That got me. That got me when she said that. Yeah, it was, it was rough. Yeah, that was, that was hard. That was a hard listen, but, um, but it was beautiful and it was all very, um, it all just felt very right, except for the part where he wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. And like just the strength of her too to go out there in front of, you know, this huge crowd in front of living history behind you to accept an award on your dead husband's behalf. It's like, I'm in awe of her to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's pretty incredible. I don't really have anything to add to that. Um, I admire her a great deal um, for being able to stand up there and do that. Um, And the hall of fame is always like, a really just an uplifting time for baseball. Um, and you know, um, not only did, uh, not only did Brandy Halliday give that fantastic speech, but Mariano Rivera like lifted everyone's spirits by saying, why do I always have to be last? Which is a really (laughs) funny joke too. Um, and I think it gives, you know, especially those fan bases. Like, obviously I, I hearken back to when Mike Piazza was inducted. Like it's, it's a moment of extreme, extreme pride for those fan bases because I guess unless you're the Yankees, you don't get you don't get someone from your <laughs> franchise elected into the Hall of Fame every year. So it's really fun. And I do have to say this because like a lot of the writers that were there were saying that the um, there were a lot of oh is everything all right? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm in trouble. Yeah, I'm gonna say are they coming guys. for you, Maggie. <laughs> I was gonna say they finally they finally found her. You know secret you know drug den or something <laughs> i don't keep secrets <laughs> okay I don't have okay a den. I think, all my drugs are out in the i think open. we waited them out i think they're gone <laughs> but um you know I, I went to cooperstown in 2016 and you know this year they were saying the, like it wasn't all yankee fans she would kind of think since they're kind of like the home crowd, like and that there were a ton of Mariners fans there. And I have to say, when I was there in 2016, like they traveled well, like they showed out for their players. So and all the interactions I had with them were great. And so, you know, you know, I, I have a great respect for the Mariners fans. And Edgar Martinez had a really good shout out to his daughters and he made her cry, which was really cute. Oh, yeah, that was also a really sweet moment. Yeah. Kind of, I'm I'm kind of a little salty. I'll have to admit that Uh-oh. everyone talks about Musina as a Yankee, and everyone ignores the fact that he was on the Orioles first. Okay, he was on the Orioles first. That's why he has a blank cap. Everyone just to send the record straight there. I'm not saying he should have gone in as as an Oriole because obviously, like, he has a really you know 
he has a really strong history with the Yankees too. So like that can't be ignored, but I'm just saying he's, he's not a Yankee in the hall of fame. He is a blank cap. Acknowledge the <laughs> Orioles. The Ori- Orioles fans are people too. I keep saying <laughs> Orioles fans are people too, you guys. Um, or Birdland. Hashtag Birdland. Um, so um, all of this kind of brings out the greater question, which kind of gets debated every single year. Um, but I think, you know, I think we should talk about it on this podcast as well, um, is, you know, how the Hall of Fame should treat steroids and how it should treat former users of steroids and whether they should be, you know, allowed in the Hall of Fame, whether they sh- shouldn't be, whether they should be, but given an asterisk or whatever you want to say about it. So what do you guys think about that? I'm of two minds of this because I just can't make up my mind. So maybe I can present the two arguments and then maybe you two can uh, maybe give we'll some more definitive you. answer. <laughs> we'll cast our votes. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I'm against it because I'm a Piazza homer and I never want to see Clemens in because I always want to laugh at Clemens for not getting in. So that's my number one petty reason <laughs> for it. It's not um, a bad one. No. I, I just I just want to laugh at Clemens forever for this. Um, number two is that, you know, their actions had a direct impact on the game. Like, they cheated. There's no getting around it. And, you know, the record, what do the records mean that they set? Um, because they had help in setting them. And also, you hurt other players who were clean, like, the borderline people like Fred McGriff, would he have had better numbers if he wasn't facing roided up pitchers? Like, so you could have had an impact on his career too, if who was somebody who played it straight and now he's kind of being penalized for that. So that's number two. Keith Hernandez, and, also borderline Hall of Famer that hasn't gotten his due. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was probably you, on Greenies. Somewhere. On Greenies. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's what the, yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, and number three is like you're glorifying something that is inherently dangerous. Like there's a reason why these substances are banned, and I know it's their bodies. That, you know, they could do whatever they want with them, but still, it's dangerous. Like you could get, you know, there are bad, really bad side effects to these things. So those are my arguments against it. Um, my arguments for are Bud Selig is in, so all bets are off. He yeah. knew. He turned a blind eye to it. I think Jose Canseco said he knew in 1993 and never did anything about it. So if Bud Selig's in, you know, he was he he just said, you know, don't ask, don't tell, don't want to know. So if you're gonna put him in, um, then you might as well put the other uh, the product of what what he created basically. Um, and I don't remember where I heard this argument, but this was the one that almost convinced me um, was that they're on the ballot. Pete Rose was never put on the ballot. Like the, the Hall of Fame is a museum and they've deemed these people worthy of inclusion. So who are we to say no when the Hall of Fame has already said that it's okay because it is a museum this is the era they played in they were a product of the era they played in like pete alonzo was a product of the turbo ball era now like so those are my arguments and also like yes and also you know players been using substances for 
forever. So is this any different? I mean, yes, it is different, but players will always try to find an edge. So those are my two arguments. So I kind of fall a little bit in between them. If I can throw out my general approach to the issue, which is that like, I think it makes sense to grade on a curve. Um, And that curve depends on all manner of things. So like, you know, Barry Bonds was probably going to be one of the greatest baseball players, no matter what he put in his body. He absolutely should be in the hall of fame, no matter what. And like, maybe a guy more on the border, the grade curve kind of knocks, knocks him off, knocks him off the roster. And that's fine too. And I think part of, you know, I think there are other curves to consider. Like, obviously if, you know, we're not going to like remove players from the hall, but like, were there players who got in because they took stimulants every single day so they could play a bazillion games and rack up a ton of counting stats. Yes. Like that's, they absolutely would not have put up the numbers that got them into the hall if they weren't artificially capable of playing way more games than most humans would be able to. Um, I also think like, in addition to Selig knowing about all of this and, and not ever addressing it until it was, you know, economically useful. Um, also, baseball reporters knew all about this, mm. and there was the unspoken code of silence, and nobody discussed it. And then, as soon as it became public knowledge, they're all like, "Oh my goodness!" Like the the, and that really that really pisses me off. The like, and now the, they're the watching. Yeah, yeah and now they're the so ones keeping them out. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where I'm like, if you watched that guy in the locker room and you knew what he was doing and you zipped it up, then you owe him your vote later because yeah. part of why he was able to keep doing it is because you guys just decided to kind of go along with the code. Yeah, no, that's a fair take. Um, yeah, I, I kind of air more and this is probably like the one take where I'm like, where I'm where I differ from a lot of the like people in the baseball community that I generally don't differ with. Um, I'm kind of a small hall person to begin with. Um, I think it's like I think it should be like, you know, pretty damn exclusive. Not that it's not. Um, but I kind of am not of the mind of like letting just anybody in there. Um, and I I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't feel good about letting people that cheated into the Hall of Fame. I just don't. Um, and to Linda, to your point about the turbo ball, turbo ball era that we're in now, which is a good point, but everybody gets the turbo ball equally. Yeah. You know, there aren't some players that get a juiced ball and some players that don't. In which case, if that were like the case, even if the players were unaware of it and for some reason Manfred was manipulating the baseballs to the point where he was throwing giving certain players juiced balls um which would obviously never happen to that level but if there was a conspiracy theory out there that that was happening and it turned out to be true then that would be a different thing um but you know everybody gets a turbo ball not everybody got steroids even though there was an era where a lot a heck of a lot of players were using them that said I do agree with Maggie when she says that Barry Bonds is the type of player that he would have gotten in even if he hadn't used. And I think that 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 is the threshold 
for me for a steroid user being in the Hall of Fame. For me, it's would this player have gotten in the Hall of Fame? I mean, and you can never know for sure, right? Obviously, there's no scientific way to prove this. Um, But for me, I think Barry Bonds is pretty clear, as close of a clear-cut case as you can get to a player that, you know, would have gotten in regardless. And for a while, I was like, and I've slowly come around on this, too. This is like, I used to be even more hardline, like, don't let any steroid users in the Hall of Fame. Oh, me too. That was like, me too. They, if they admitted that they did it, then that's on them now. And they have to deal with the consequences of that. Um, but I've sort of come around on the idea that there are certain players who obviously would have gotten in anyway. And I think that I am okay with that. Um, because, like we've been saying, they are a product of their era. Um, so we should be grading on a curve, like Maggie said, and we should be taking the best of that era, the very best of that era. Everyone was elevated up up in that era, and we should be still be taking the very best. So, you know, even players, some players that were named in the Mitchell Report, maybe they should get in because they're still exceptional among that group of players. So kind of how I feel about it I know that there are people that are like and I don't I don't begrudge them I don't begrudge people that are like whatever who cares about the steroid stuff like because I will qualify my stance with I think things like domestic violence (laughs) are way more important and whether you're like a shithead human being that is part of my small hall mentality um I think if you're a shithead human being you should not get in the hall of fame I am against Kurt Schilling being in the hall of fame yes because he is a terrible person. <laughs> and it's about what we are, it's about what we're putting on a pedestal. That's my view of it. So that's part of why I have a big issue with the steroid users being in the Hall of Fame. Because like Linda said, it's, it, it's not just cheating. It's not good for your body. And it's not good for the game for this to be something that we glorify. Because there are bad effects of doing that. Um, and so I, that, I am very wary of of putting you know those people in the hall of fame because i think it can be seen as a glorification of the of the use of steroids which i don't think is a good thing um just like i don't think that we should glorify anyone who's a piece of shit human so (laughs) well they do have the morality clause Yes, and I I agree with it. But they don't use it. They don't use it. For Schilling, it it seems they have. For Schilling, so far. I feel like Schilling's biggest mistake was was one of the groups of people that he was absolute trash towards was journalists. Yeah. Like, yep. And so like that's one of those things where it's like you picked on literally the exact wrong group of people if you wanted to get into the hall. And I still think he's actually going to end up there eventually, but like like of all the people that he's picked on in all the world, and there are a lot, like he is a piece of garbage, but journalists are like the one group of people that can control whether or not he gets into the hall. So that's, there you have it. And And I doubt they're forgiving him anytime soon either. Didn't he advocate for them being killed? Yes. Yes, Yes, he he did. And like, I think that, Mariano Rivera is kind of proof that you can have shitty political views and still not get tossed out on the morality clause of being a shit human. Like 95% of the content of the hall is proof that you can and have shitty political views. And- right. Like yeah. the, most of baseball players have pretty shitty political views. Like 
that's not he's not getting Kurt Schilling is not being kept out of the hall for his political views let's be real those are shared by many baseball players and many baseball players in the hall yeah it's what he does with them Mike Piazza Mm -hmm. has pretty shitty political views to be honest with you Mets fans they're pretty bad but you know he's not a piece of shit human and hasn't treated people like shit the way Kurt Schilling has so there's the difference right there just don't be an asshole it's not that Schilling's also a criminal and bad at it yeah yeah right. exactly so on like, top of everything else yeah you know so I just and I and I agree with you know keeping Schilling out of the hall of fame for that reason so it's you know like I it's about it's about the reason why I believe in a small hall is because it's about what we decide to glorify what we decide to put on a pedestal like as a society not just like as sports fans you know and I know, like, the other side of that is like, well, there's, like, literal KKK members in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but just because we did something bad in the past doesn't mean we can just keep doing it. Right. It's called never learning from your mistakes. Like, we can make we can make progress. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. It is allowed. <laughs> this is like that tweet. I just got home from the rally where everyone was chanting better things are not possible. That's like what yeah, I Um. Anyway, um, so we will take another break real quick. And when we get back, we will end things like we always do with walk-off wins. So stay tuned for that. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, we are finishing off today's show with walk-off wins, as we always do, where each of us talks about what's making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. So, Maggie, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, My walk-off win, a week earlier than I had originally planned, is the launch of the Veronica Mars reboot. Uh, Veronica Mars was my very, very favorite show when it was on back in the olden days. Um, and they, they made a movie a couple years ago, which was pretty good, but it was always a show that really thrived on the serial format. Um, and they got like literally the whole gang back together on Hulu for a short, like eight episode series. And it was supposed to launch next week. And then this past Friday, they were like, psych, it's up right now. And it was, it's, I'm, I'm halfway through. So my walk-off win may be something entirely different next week, but like it has just been everything I had hoped. It's a really, it's, it's a great show. If you've never seen it, like start from the beginning. It's all, it's, it's about a teen detective. Obviously now she is no longer a teenager, but um, it's very, it's very noir. It's very funny. Um, Kristen Bell, it launched her career and she is an absolute, like she's incredible. Just some of the best, 
acting I've seen on television ever. Um, yeah, it's just a it's a really likable, fun, but also very smart and and you know, gritty is such an overused term, but like it doesn't pull any punches. Um, and the season has been everything I could have hoped for, and also a week early, so I'm very excited. No spoilers, please. Thank you. Fantastic. Um, I'm all for you know living out our living out our nostalgia. It's. It's a good, it's like such a satisfying. But it doesn't count as nostalgia anymore because it's new. Yes. Yeah. The nostalgia clock resets. Yeah, <laughs> which is even better. Um, Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? Okay, mine's kind of a weird walk-off win, but it kind of ties everything together. But um, so last November, I decided it was time to get rid of my 2005 Toyota Corolla, which broke my heart. But uh, yeah, I just I couldn't do it anymore. So I went to Mariano Rivera's car dealership (laughs) and (laughs) I got a new Toyota RAV4 in purple, which was so exciting. But what was exciting was his son was my car salesman. And yeah, I had to do a double take. So I go, Mariano will help you. And here comes Mariano walking and he looked exactly like his father. And so I kind of did a double take and I was like, wait, what, what, Mariano? So um, we did a test drive and everything. And he was like, oh, so are you Yankee fans? I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I was like, am I still allowed in? Like, is this okay? So I told him we were Matt fans, and I was like, you know, um, David Wright's one of the last games that Mariano faced the Mets. David Wright had the walk-off against him. I was like, you know, I just had to, you know, needle him a little bit, just had to remind him that David Wright had the walk-off against Mariano. And um, and he laughed, and he was like, no, no, I really like David Wright. He was probably one of my favorite players. So, you know, he was totally cool about it. So then it was just kind of funny to see him sitting there in Cooperstown. It's like, hey, there's there's my car sales. There's my old buddy who sold me a car. Buddy. Yeah, it's like, that's my buddy Mariano. We're BFFs now. That's pretty funny. So, yeah, so that's kind of my walk-off point is that, you know, I did I did just get him that little little reminder of the greatness of David Wright against his dad. Had to get that in. Also, he better let you in. You're giving him a ton of money, so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Would be unprofessional of him not to let you in. Yeah, and I am very happy with my new car, so. Okay. <laughs> Yay. So my walk-off win for this week, uh, I've been alluding to this in previous episodes, but since we've had like a, a week off now since I've been, you know, on a pod of their own, um, a lot has changed in my life since um, since we had an episode last. Um, so I have moved away from Baltimore. This is kind of a bittersweet walk-off win. It's happy, but it's also sad um, because it's like it's I'm closing one chapter of my life and starting another chapter. I moved away from Baltimore. I moved um, back home to New Jersey, um, where I'm from. Uh, and I am doing a fellowship, um, a science policy fellowship, um, through Rutgers, uh, through the Eagleton Institute of Politics. Um, so basically the idea of the fellowship is to get PhD trained scientists into government. Um, and you know, that's like exactly right up my alley is someone who really loves science, but also really loves advocacy and, and policy work. Um, so I started that fellowship. Um, last week we did like a week long training 
um, because they presume correctly that we come in with like no policy background whatsoever. Um, they basically gave us like a week long crash course in the New Jersey state government, um, how it works, you know, like all, all sorts of like really basically civics 101, but slightly more advanced than that. Um, and we get so, like eight to five, like every single day. And we, they, they invited like a bunch of politicians and lobbyists and other, you know, uh, partisan staff and other like movers and shakers in the New Jersey government. Um, so that was really cool. I got to meet a bunch of cool people and everybody was like super, super welcoming and excited. Like they were like, oh my God, like we need more scientists in government were so excited that you guys are here and this was like not unique to one political party or the other like honestly most of the time I couldn't tell who was a democrat and who was a republican which was actually really refreshing honestly um that people were like equally excited um about us being there um so that was really cool um the training was fun and so I this week I started my office placement so I am in the New Jersey Department of Health and I'm splitting time between um newborn screening services uh which is like really uh, my alley since I'm a geneticist they test all the babies when they're born they do the blood spots for those of you who don't know who are either unfamiliar with genetics or have never had a child before um, they test every baby that's born for like a bunch of genetic diseases um, when they're born at the hospital they do and it's great and it's cheap and it's very good public health practice yay public health yay. interventions um, so I'm spending most of my time helping those folks out and bringing my genetics expertise to them. Um, and then I'm spending a, a small minority of my time also still in the Department of Health, but with the actual like policy office. So I got to sit in and like a meeting with all the staff, with the commissioner. So that was really cool just to see how everything works. Um, so yeah, I'm just starting this week. So I've like barely done anything yet. I'm just like reading a lot and learning a lot and observing and meeting people. But I'm really excited about this new chapter in my life. But I am deeply, deeply sad to have left Baltimore because I it really had become home for me. Um, and I'm really going to miss it a lot. And I hope maybe I'll be back there someday. Who knows? But um, so I am sad that I have moved away from Baltimore, but I'm really excited about this new job. Um, so yeah. Yes, and congratulations. Mind. Thank you. Thank you. It's going to be really fun, I hope. Um, so yeah, that does it for the show this week. Um, we are we are so so happy to be back in your feeds um and we will be back in your feeds again next wednesday um in the meantime please go to amazingavenue.com for all of our game recaps um fantastic content i uh yesterday put up my first set of player meters since the all-star break to evaluate how how the players stand um we're, we're doing pieces ahead of the trading deadline um maggie you just had a piece drop about um or you you previewed a piece that's dropping soon earlier in the show so look out for that um whole bunch of other fantastic analysis and content um you can follow amazing avenue on twitter instagram and facebook at amazing y'all robinson cano just hit a third home run he yeah. did not i was yes. trying to keep it so quiet sorry i didn't mean allison. to blow up your spot allison no no please like blow important. up my spot That's it, was another, oh, <laughs> it was a freaking blast oh too. my god <laughs> i Oh my god, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I like if I could pick one thing, this this kind of is kind of derailing for the next the preview of the next episode because I think I'm going to bring this up during the Mets segment next episode, but if there's one thing on my wish list for the second half, it's that Robinson Cano rakes. That's all I want. Um 
Anywho, um, where <laughs> where was I even? You can <laughs> so you can follow Maze Navi on all the social medias um, to get all, it, it, even more excited about Robinson Cano dongs. You can follow um, a pod of their own on Twitter at a pod of their own. Um, you can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Sarovich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Follow all of us on Twitter. Please subscribe to the podcast um, and rate and review the show and all of the other fantastic Amazing Avenue shows. It really, really helps. Um, And in the meantime, let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.